We are starting a new series today called The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I want to give a little bit of background to this. There was a guy named Paul, and Paul was a, a very hateful person. Uh, he was a person that uh, felt like, um, well, you know what, I, we posted a, an image on Facebook a while ago, and um, it has pass, been passed along a little bit. And it is, uh, we went to, uh, we were involved in the Pride Parade, and we had some protesters at the Pride Parade. They're known for protesting a bunch of things there. They, they were even protesting the funeral of Fred Rogers, uh, for crying out loud. Uh, but they are known for bringing very hateful signs and uh, very uh, nasty language and everything like that. And there's a picture of me in front of them uh, wearing a shirt that just simply says, um, this pastor loves you. Because I believe that our message as Christians is one of love, that we are just to love. Uh, and that's plain and simple. Uh, someone posted in the comments this morning, uh, just said, uh, that pastor is no pastor. And we've had comments like that before. Uh, whenever we've, we've posted anything, we, we have you know, comments like that. Uh, at this particular uh, event, another protesting group, uh, they, they told me that I was the... Um, uh, spawn of Satan. Uh, I'd like to see them draw that. But, um, and then they said that I was leading people to hell. And, and it was very uh, uh, mean-spirited. But one of our biblical heroes used to be like that. Uh, Paul was a very, uh, very staunch person in, in the Jewish faith. And when he saw this new faith coming around, this, this faith of Jesus Christ, this message of love, this message of inclusion, and this, this, this enlightening message of sharing with one another, of kindness, he really, really hated that. He became so uh, animate about hating that that his energy went into immediately persecuting that. And Paul was such a hateful person. We often talk about Paul as this guy that just, oh, at one time he didn't like to be a Christian and now he does. But truthfully, this guy had blood on his hands. The, the actions that Paul did led people to be persecuted, arrested, and in many cases they would lose their life because of the actions that Paul had, the sheer hatred that Paul had toward anything that was anything to do with Jesus Christ. It was a fervor, it was an energy in him that he just did not want people to be part of this and his goal in life was to spread toxic information about it, to shut them down, to close them up, and to even have them persecuted. At the time that Paul became a Christian, there were still people quite possibly in prison from the time that he caused that. So it's easy to say that Paul was a, a, a person that didn't like uh, Christianity. It's harder to say that even during the time that Paul became a Christian, the man still had blood on his hands. That's how hatred engulfed him and caused him to just be so adamant about shutting things down, about treating people with disrespect, and about making sure that certain people stayed away. And fortunately, that sounds a little familiar to us today. 
We do see things like that. Uh, comments that we've seen online, things of you know, that nature. Uh, we are constantly, uh, whenever we post something, we could post something uh, th that is, you know, of the, the, like the, the pride parade. We could post something. We could post a quote from Jesus, and we get comments of people telling us that we're not a real church and all of this kind of stuff. Th that was Paul at that time. He was a very, very harmful, a very, very hateful person. And then something happened. He was actually persecuting. He was uh, forever, like if you, you and I were meeting here in this space right here, we would fear that there was a chance that people could come barging through that door and that we would all be arrested. And that group of people, those zealot people, would be led by Paul. People that were Christians feared him. They knew him and they feared him because that is the person that could end it all for them. And all they were trying to do was spread this message of love. They were just starting to kind of get it figured out. The, the word uh, Christian was, just, was starting to be passed around and used, and, and people were starting to understand that uh, Jesus was about love and about in inviting and about welcoming and about kindness. And in Paul's eyes, that was just too progressive. I hate to use that word. You know, some people, they ask me if I'm progressive or liberal or conservative or, or all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm Christian. You know, I, I really am. I mean, it's, um, I, don't like to, I don't like to put labels on too many things. And I, I, I know that we don't like to be labeled for one thing in our lives or, or, or anything like that. We're, we're, we're deeper than that. We're layered than that. Uh, I hope that uh, people just see me as someone that, uh, that believes in Christ and tries to be Christ-like in their lives. Um, and that's, that's what I hope that we do at Neighbors Church. But Paul was not liking any of that idea, and he was persecuting people, and then he was found himself knocked down, knocked down on his butt, and he immediately saw Christ. Now, Christ had been crucified at this time. Uh, Christ was not uh, walking around the streets. You didn't run into him at Starbucks. He was just, you know... Uh, by the way, he loved the chai latte. He just loved it. Um, but um, he was, saw Jesus, and it changed everything for him. It changed everything. He was blinded after he saw Jesus. He could not see, and he found himself sitting in a place where he was just distraught, and he could not see a thing, and he was blinded. And somebody... Somebody was called in to help him, and that person was a Christian, called to go to the person that persecuted, hated, disliked, and just a big jerk. And this person was called to go and heal this man. Now, every one of us, maybe we might, one of the things we might say is, no, he's actually better blind. He can't see us if we're blind. You know, we can actually have church in front of them if we just do codes and signs and stuff, but how do, why do you want me to heal this person? But this person followed a message of love. He followed a message of kindness. He followed that message of everybody. Everybody is welcome. And by that calling in his life, he went and he healed Paul. And Paul could see this one angry, hateful person is now one of the biggest Christians around. So much so that it's important for him to spread that news. 
And remember, this is a guy that was a staunch uh, Jew. You follow the rules of Jews. If you are going to be a, a, a Jewish person, if you're going to be a part of this faith, you have to follow these rules, this law. You have to be this way. You have to be this way. You can't eat that. you got to go over here. This is the way that he was. And now, suddenly, he finds himself going to people that aren't even Jewish. The Greeks. If you were not Jewish... If you were not part of this, in this time, you might have been called a pagan. You might have been called the scum of the earth. Paul is now the person that was persecuting, is now reaching out to people and saying, you're welcome here. What a turnaround in his life. And he was doing this, he would start these churches. He was a church planter. He would, just like neighbors, he would go into places uh, and he would plant a church by getting people together and talking about the love of Jesus Christ. He would plant those churches, and then he would move on to another location, and he would plant a church there, and he was just spreading the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. You know, they say that there's uh, two kinds of churches. There's, there's dog churches and there's cat churches. Dog churches are when people just follow the pastor. They're just like, oh, I don't care what you do with it. It's fine. Whatever you say is just fine. I just, I just love this church so much. I'll just go over there and everything like that. And everything. And you can be there, you can be there and all that kind of stuff. I'm just so glad you're back. And what do we do when you're gone? I have no idea what to do when you're gone. And then there's cat churches that are like, oh, there's a pastor here? I didn't know. <laughs> totally independent. Can do my own thing. And that was Paul's goal, though, because a cat church, they start to build the church, they start to get volunteers, they start to get people involved, they start to do things, and they start to work at a church body. And that was Paul's goal, is to take things, start them out as dog churches, but leave them while they're cat churches. I don't like cats very much, but I, I get the, the, the illustration on that. But uh, that's why some churches, the pews smell like litter boxes, I think. But anyway, I'm sorry, I totally got off guard there. But every once in a while when Paul would leave these churches, he would stay in contact with them. He would write letters to them and he would keep encouraging them. And sometimes he needed to kind of steer them back into the right direction. Sometimes they were just a little bit off, but sometimes things would happen that would really irritate Paul. Now remember, Paul is a Christian now. He's a loving person, uh, but he's also a person. And sometimes he gets pretty mad and sometimes he gets pretty irate, especially when somebody is trying to mess with that Christian church uh, or telling people that it's conditional in some ways. And that's exactly what was happening. There was a church that was getting started, and they were suddenly now being told, Paul is off on his way, and he's starting other churches, and he's planting, and all of this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, there is a group of people that are coming in, and they're telling this church, okay, you guys can be Christian, but in order to be Christian, you've got to be Jewish, because Jesus was Jewish, and that means you have to follow these rules. You have to be circumcised. Forget the BLT Sundays. You can't do that anymore. You've got to follow this. You've got to follow that. You you, in order to be accepted by Christ, have to be just like us. And that is what makes Paul mad. Because Paul knows that this is what we would call um, uh, following the flesh. 
In other words, following the flesh, following our, 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 our human condition. And our human condition, sometimes we feel like that is uh, the, 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 the behaviors that we have and the rules that we follow. And only by that can we be loved by Jesus Christ. In other words, if you fall out of line, you're going to fall out of love. But if you stick to us, if you be like us, you too can experience the conditional love of Jesus Christ. Just watch your step. Because the judging of your behaviors and what you do is going to be by us. Man, that made Paul mad. One of the biggest things that they were trying to do is they were trying to get everybody, all the males, circumcised because circumcision was the sign of following that law. Paul himself, a Jew, would have been circumcised. But he is now in a place of people that have no idea what these laws are. They don't know anything about what's going on with this Jewish tradition. They know that they're there and they might know a few things, but they don't know a whole lot of stuff. And now they're telling them that they have to follow all of this long list of rules in order to be part of this faith. And Paul's mission is to tell people it ain't about the rules. It ain't about the law. It ain't about using grammar like ain't. It's about the spirit. It's about the love that you have. And it's mostly about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And so, all of this is happening with Paul. He's writing a letter, and he writes it to the Galatians. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. In other words, when we live by the flesh, the rules, the, uh, the, the, the selfish ambition, the things that make us human, when we totally live by that and we try to walk a line like this and all this kind of stuff, we are failing to understand that Christ is love, Love, love. And sometimes we trip up, and he even gives them a warning. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Paul knows that the more that we start to say, you got to be like me, you got to be like me, you can't come in because you're that way, you had, well, you can change a little bit like this, the more we're going to implode upon ourselves. Because he's seen it. Because remember, he was one of them. This is one of the blessings where Paul's life as a very hateful person comes into play here because he sees selfish ambition and he sees all of this kind of behavioral stuff messing things up and he knows that it did it for him, which is why he's so compassionate that it not happened to somebody else. The flesh. He says, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. He now has a church that he has left that is thinking they have to fall in line and be like these other people, and they can't be original or by themselves or anything like that. They have to do all of this kind of stuff. So he's angry with them, and he tries to explain it by using a very colorful uh, illustration. He says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, 
carousing, and things like this. I love that he put in things like this because everybody's always looking for a loophole. Ah, you didn't say that. I said things like this. Some of these behaviors at this time were actually practices of worship. Uh, things like sexual immorality, witchcraft, idolatry. People were using things like this as their worship. And Paul was saying, that's going to steer you away from the true message of Jesus Christ. That's going to steer you away because you're thinking of a thing rather than God. And some of this, if you'll notice, has very self-centered ambition. It's sometimes when you look at some of these things, it usually involves somebody getting hurt. And those things can be a distraction. The things that we do to ourselves can be the very distraction of our faith in Christ. The things that we do to our neighbor can really do a lot of harm. You know, we, we see things like this, dissensions and factions. We, I could turn on any, any television news station right now, and one of those words is going to be used. We fight each other. We tell people that they have to be a certain way. And we are harming each other. And that's the warning that Paul is saying. If you live by the flesh, if you are just saying that this is conditional of whether or not you are a Christian, you're missing the point. And you will implode amongst yourselves. You will just die fighting each other. You know, they, I don't want to paint a terrible picture, but sometimes uh, that's how people catch rodents is they just put them in a cage together. And they start to devour each other. It's ugly, it's cruel, it's inhumane. Uh, but that's what, in some cases, we're doing to ourselves. With our division, with our constant fighting, we are doing that to ourselves. Paul says, but the real fruit of the Spirit is love. He mentions other things, but I want to focus on love. We're just going to do one at a time in this series. I love it. He, if you think of a fruit basket, it just has all kinds of different things on it. There might be things that you like more than the others and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you, it's, a, it's a beautiful gift to get. And the first thing that he mentions, for us to make it, for us to make it as a church and for us to, to spread the true message of Christ is love. Plain and simple. It's love. I'm often, you know, a fighter of black and white thinking because I really do think that life is in the gray in many, many ways. It's in the gray. But if we are to look at our Christian faith, just for a moment, if we can look at black and white, it's some of our actions. The thing that I say today, was that a thing of love? Or did the thing that I posted online today, was that a thing of love? Because if it's not... We're going against the Spirit. You know, this, he's talking to the Greeks here. Uh, actually, it's uh, modern-day uh, uh, Turkey, I believe. I should ask Brian. Brian's very knowledgeable on this stuff um, because he's old. But um, he uh, and the, the Greek people have a, such a, a, a beautiful language. They have uh, different words for love. Uh, in the Bible, there are about four different types of love. Unfortunately, with our, when we translate it down to English, uh, we just insert the word love there. But love means different things, and it's used in different ways. 
And I want us to just take a look at the four things that we, we talk about when we talk about love to see what we're doing, okay? The, the first type of love that, is, uh, that we're going to cover today is something called storge. It's familial. Um, it's like um, uh, uh, when, when, a, when a mother gives birth and first holds that child, the feeling that the mother has for that child and the feeling that the child has for that mother, they, they know each other. It can also be the feeling of when you hear a song that immediately takes you to a memory, a good memory. You know, sometimes that's why when we say, you've got to hear this song, it's the greatest song in the world, and somebody listens to it and says, I don't, I don't get it, because the one thing that's missing is the memory that you were having when you first experienced that song. There's something very special. It's a very connective thing. It's something that just makes our heart feel good. It's something that we do when we see a puppy. It's something that we don't do when we see a cat. It's, <laughs> it's a familial love song. It's, 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 it's that type of love. Then there's philia. That's friendship. Uh, think of the people you went to school with. Think of the people that you went to college with. We, we have somebody right here that went to college with somebody else, and just it, it immediately when, real, when they realized that they had actually gone to school together, now this was in the 1800s, but it was still, it was a good feeling. It's, when you think of friendships that you've had over the years, it's something that you give, and, but something that you also get. People that have been there, people that have let you put their arm on your shoulder, people that have helped carry you through tough times, friends, buddies, acquaintances. Then there's eros, romantic love. And we don't really have to talk much about that. Every song in the world pretty much is written about that. You know, we, we focus probably more on, on this type of love than we focus on anything else in the world. As a matter of fact, some people actually define their happiness of whether or not they can achieve this love and they fail to see some of the other loves that they have in their lives. And some of these, they can also mesh. They can also go back and forth a little bit. You know, I consider my, my wife, Allison, is my best friend. So there's, there's a part of there that, that is shared. But it's a love that, uh, again, you, you give, and, but you also get. And then there's the love that as Christians we try to achieve. Uh, we, we spend our lives trying to achieve. And that love is called agape. Agape. That is, uh, I used to think when I first heard the word agape, I used to think, oh, that's probably like a, a light sauce you put on a salad. You know, I'll take the agape sauce, please. A little spicy. But it's, agape is actually the ultimate love. It is unconditional love. Now, think of this. This is unconditional love. This is sacrificial love. It means a charitable love. It means the love of Christ. It means the love of Christ giving the life for others. It means in allowing people to be them and loving them for who they are. It means loving people where they stand in life. It means sacrificing your own discomfort to love other people. We love to say, I will give my life for Jesus, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. That's the true measurement. Because we live in a day where many of us, I'm pretty sure, are not going to be giving our, you know, asked to, to stand on the cross or give our lives, but we might be asked to be uncomfortable. Can you pass that test? 
Can we pass the test to where if it means meeting a stranger, if it means loving somebody, even if they're different than you, if it truly means giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, and if it truly means loving someone as Christ loves them. That is agape love. That is the, that's, that's the prize. That's the thing that we yearn for, the thing that we uh, long to be, because that is the thing, because of Christ, that is the thing we are achieving. We receive agape love from God. It truly means God's love. And as Christians, it is our duty. It's our, it's our mission in life is to try to get that and share it with the world. It doesn't mean telling people that they have to be like you. It doesn't mean telling people that they have to follow the rules. What Paul is saying is that this is just this. It doesn't matter if you follow the, the Jewish rules. It doesn't matter if you follow this. If you don't judge people straight in the line. You get this. Now remember, this is coming from a guy that did not go to Jesus. He was persecuting Christians when Jesus came to him. He was a twit, a jerk. Paul was not somebody that you would invite to dinner. And Jesus came to him and loved him right where he was. And that love is what brought Paul out of the hatred and the fervor and the anger that he thought and sought and felt and all of this ugliness in his life. It brought him out of that and got him so much into this this new thing of love and kindness and respect and dignity that he wanted to start churches wherever he landed. Love can be a powerful thing. Love can be an amazing, amazing thing. And this is a love. These loves, we get something in return. What do you think agape love gives us? If we take the risk and just say, I'm going to love that world. I'm going to love everybody in it. I'll bet you get something in return. I'll just bet you do. Can we achieve agape love? Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, you are everything to us. You are our Savior, you are our advocate, you are family, you are friend. Help us, to, help us to define love even greater than that. Help us to see love even greater than that. Help us to experience agape love, your love. And help us, help us do our darndest to share that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, with COVID and everything, we, our world has been uh, tossed around and it has been uh, different. It has been challenging. Uh, and sometimes it's been quite deflating. But I hope that we never forget uh, who we are. And that is we are loved.
And I'll never, I hope that we never forget our mission as Christians. As Christ's followers, our mission truly is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. To love yourself the way that God loves you. Someone once asked me, uh, how, why are you teaching people to love themselves? And my answer was, because God loves us. And I'm not going to argue with God. And to love our neighbor, which is everybody. The people that we feel comfortable with, the people that we have walked a long life with, and the people we have yet to meet. Let that be our mission. Let that be our challenge, but let that also be our joy.